All right. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good morning. Wherever you are in the world, we are thanking you for joining us for this episode of Let's Talk Tech with your host, Michael P. Upshaw Sr. Today we have joining us none other than the very great man. And when I say great man, I'm telling you, this is a great man. This guy is powerful, man, has worked in so many different areas. And uh, we are going to introduce him to you here shortly, uh, Mr. Dr. Rob Hughes, and he is the Director of Operations at the Restoration Storehouse. And so we're going to bring him up. Dr. Hughes, thank you for joining us this uh, beautiful morning. Uh, here it's morning, but uh, where people may be watching or listening, it could be afternoon or evening, but uh, we're in Georgia. So we are in the wee hours of the morning while we are recording this episode of this uh, podcast. But uh, we want to just thank you for joining us today and being on the show and uh, gracing us with your presence. And we're going to break down some things as we do here on Let's Talk Tech. Um, some things will be, you know, tech. Some things will be how tech influences uh, our day to day. And so thank you, sir, for joining us. How about you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and, uh, you know, who Dr. Hughes really is. Amen. Well, good morning and thank you again for the invitation to join you and the Let's Talk Tech community. Uh, my name is Dr. Rob Hughes, uh, resident of Georgia. I have been living in Georgia now for over 19 years, and it's been a blessed opportunity uh, for me to uh, work in a variety of spaces, uh, but all of those spaces uh, do have levels of interaction. Those spaces include uh, working in the faith community, uh, working in the nonprofit sector, and also uh, being a for-profit business owner. And all of those areas combined uh, have been put into practice as a way to impact community development and working with families and communities uh, to be the best that uh, God has created them to be. Uh, so that, what is at the underline of who I am uh, is my faith. Uh, I am an ordained clergy person, uh, but God has me serving in a variety of different fields of mission uh, to be able to put faith into practice on a daily basis. Man, that is uh, great. I know you, and uh, I just want this great audience to get a chance to know the great man that you are and why we have you on today. Um, from media uh, to technology, politics, community organizing, um, you know, I, I mean, you've done so much uh, in this time that you've been on this earth, just living your purpose um, day to day. And so, um, you know, going from, you know, being w involved in for-profit, uh, non-profit, um, and doing different things that you've had a chance to um, do. So we are talking to my brother, my friend, Dr. Rob Hughes of uh, uh, Restoration Storehouse. He is the director of operations. And so we're going to dive right in um, and just really talk about, you know, the impact that Dr. Hughes is having, and uh, even more than that, um, the impact that he's having within the organization um, that he's a part of and how he came to be a part of that organization. So, um, Dr. Hughes, tell us how uh, you, you know, started your work there at uh, Restoration Storehouse. Sure. 
It started in the late summer of 2019. Uh, the executive director, Mr. Ron Fairley, uh, and I uh, struck up conversations as a result of being in the same church community. And we would have conversations regarding uh, just nonprofit work in general, uh, some very high level topics of conversation, uh, issue areas that people were working to address uh, in the community, specifically the issue of poverty. And what are some ways in which uh, communities, churches, nonprofits are working together in collaboration uh, to be able to help families uh, that were experiencing poverty. Uh, my background, uh, specifically over the past 10 years, uh, gave me a set of experiences uh, that placed me in community directly. Uh, I had an opportunity to serve as a in-residence chaplain uh, in a transitional facility. And so that gave me direct experience of understanding uh, what people were going through as they were trying to navigate uh, issues of poverty and issues of poverty, meaning uh, housing instability, uh, issues with uh, finances, uh, jobs, uh, issues with just establishing a firm foundation. And so being able to enter into direct relationship with people and come alongside and offer a variety of services uh, as that person makes a decision uh, to move forward and improve their life uh, was a model that I was able to live and now in the environment of Restoration Storehouse, uh, I have the privilege of working with 14 other nonprofit partners uh, that share similar goals, uh, that share a similar ethic of being able to provide direct services uh, to people who are experiencing poverty and not only provide services, uh, but provide relationship, provide encouragement, uh, provide a positive path forward uh, that people make a decision to opt into. And once they do that, uh, there's a community uh, that surrounds them uh, to make sure that they can move forward on the pathway uh, to sustainability. Well, uh, when you talk about a pathway to sustainability um, and, you know, your work there, um, how are you able to make an impact, you know, in the community uh, by leveraging the resources that Restoration Storehouse brings um, to the community? Well, the good news is, is that Restoration Storehouse serves as what's called a backbone organization uh, in what's called the collective impact model. And so uh, what we do is help to provide infrastructure, resource, uh, a, a centralized location in which partners who join us uh, at that location and then also as a partner in offering those services uh, make the commitment to work together. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of talent uh, in our community uh, that is being organized and serviced through our nonprofit community. And this decision was made uh, by some leaders prior to my arrival uh, within the, we're specifically located in Rockdale County, Georgia, 
uh, in the Rockdale community to begin to look at ways to leverage relationship. And so that way, organizations uh, could focus in on what they deliver best and be able to maximize uh, the use of their resources uh, within the nonprofit community and offering services to, to those who are experiencing poverty. So uh, that conversation evolved to the formation of Restoration Storehouse, uh, which again now is a collaboration of 14 different nonprofit groups with the commitment of working and serving together. And so this gives us an opportunity to learn from each other uh, in the way in which practices are employed uh, to the community. And then specifically in the way of technology, uh, it opens up a opportunity to create a shared data platform. And so it's through the use of uh, the shared experiences, uh, the shared data platform uh, that we learn more about each other, learn more about the community that we serve. And in doing so, the goal is for us to make healthier and better decisions uh, in the use of our resources and time towards the effort of eliminating or uh, focusing on helping families leave poverty in Rockdale County. Now, as we look at, um, you know, the focus um, let's sort of backtrack a little bit in terms of, you know, when you started. When you took the position, uh, obviously, we are, um, you know, in this pandemic uh, season of life. And uh, you took this yes. position. Um, Restoration Storehouse is a physical location that offers, you know, uh, to the community based off of their needs. So it's a place that they have to come to. Um, to receive different services and different things like that. So when you took the opportunity, um, obviously you couldn't see, uh, you know, COVID-19 coming into the perspective probably, you know, beforehand or as you were making the decision. Uh, but as you did and you we began to transition into the season, how has that impacted, um, you know, what's taking place at Restoration Storehouse, you know, both positive and negative ways, um, but also what uses of technology potentially that, that you all didn't foresee having to integrate that you had to install in order to serve the broader community? The good news is, is that as the partner, the network of partners um, that began to think collaboratively and, and was at the uh, basis of, of our origination, uh, there was already conversations in place of, again, you know, how do we share um, the information that we are gathering? Um, how do we learn together? And so there were already conversations uh, looking at models and systems and technology that we could put into action uh, to assist us in doing that. I think the COVID time period uh, just accelerated the conversation because of the need uh, to continue to be of service to the community, uh, but also to be able to do it in healthy and safe ways. And particularly at the uh, beginning stages of uh, COVID-19 and its impact uh, here in the community and across the nation, uh, people were just trying to figure out uh, business operations practices. Uh, what are healthy ways to uh, stabilize organizations, as well as uh, how quickly can we return to being able to offer 
services uh, to the clients, the people that we serve. And so I would say over the course of about 60 days, uh, those conversations moved from um, possibilities and exploration uh, to being able to secure systems and put some things into place and, and implementing some change. And so uh, we have, again, 14 different partners and they all uh, took their individual pathways of exploring what would be the best way for them to deliver the services. Uh, but ultimately, after that particular round of exploration, being able to come back uh, in a partner setting and again, learn from each other uh, what was being able to put, what was being put into place uh, to be able to protect the working environment and then those that are being served. And so an example is um, out of the medical uh, community, uh, they implemented a telehealth system uh, which allowed for clients to have direct access uh, to doctors uh, electronically. And so that is just one example of something that was probably already on the drawing board. Uh, but when the issue of COVID-19 began to impact business operations, uh, there were some decisions that needed to be made. And this was one uh, that was a great decision and one that will probably remain an option uh, for that partner because they have realized the benefit of being able to offer not only in-person direct services um, for their clients, but the value of being able to implement telehealth services uh, that helps them use their resources uh, in a more efficient way. So I think this season uh, has allowed for those who are in nonprofit work who are constantly looking at uh, ways to increase efficiency as well as maximize uh, delivery of services, uh, being able to employ technology in this way um, has been of extreme benefit uh, for the organizations as well as the communities that we serve. So when we talk about the partners, and that was an excellent example of uh, telehealth um, and being able to leverage you know, that technology um, to still be able to serve the broader community and to be able to offer those type of services. And so many people have, and I, I agree, I, I think that um, it's something that won't go away, um, but will be very necessary um, in serving people for various different reasons, you know, outside of just our current, you know, uh, pandemic crisis. Um, the other question, though, about the partners that I have is, um, you know, as there's a building phase that has taken place, right, and still is in place. Um, and so with the building of uh, facility and making sure that everything is operational, I know that, you know, supply chain has changed greatly, um, has caused some delays uh, and different things like that. But if I hear you correctly, um, your partners have stayed engaged uh, with the process of moving forward. Talk a little bit about, you know, the process of, you know, you being the director of operations uh, says a whole lot because that means that you have to be involved in the process of partnership, what's happening, how they uh, continue to not only provide services, but look toward the future while these uh, delays are taking place. How have you all navigated that process of supply chain uh, management? Well, on the supply chain management side, um, as you have already pointed out um, that 
the ability to be able to deliver services uh, at a certain cost um, and being able to have resources available uh, is something that uh, everyone is looking at and having to navigate. Uh, as a result, uh, there are definitely increased costs uh, involved from the physical development of the building out phase um, of, of building out the physical plan of restoration storehouse and also just managing uh, the timeline of being able to um, develop it in a way uh, that continues to employ uh, the best use of resources, uh, the best crews to uh, do the work and the installations, and then ultimately uh, being able to um, coordinate with our partners uh, to ensure uh, a, a move-in schedule uh, that will be minimum in any disruptions of service uh, as companies uh, or organizations uh, relocate to the physical space. And so that's one example um, in the individual organizations and how they are delivering services um, they are continuing to uh, look at uh, when pools of funds are available. Uh, our nonprofit partners, they are responsible for uh, securing uh, their budget, their resources. And so uh, this season has definitely caused them to be uh, more creative uh, in seeking uh, support, funding support, whether that's uh, direct donations or whether that's uh, grants at the private or public level, um, but being able to work uh, in a smart, efficient way uh, continues to yield much benefit. Uh, one thing that I am excited about and that I know that groups have experienced is that uh, when, when people are going through people, meaning um, something like COVID-19 that impacts every person in our nation and, of course, essentially around the world, um, people respond uh, in different ways, but people respond in a healthy way of wanting to find ways in which they can help. And so um, I don't have statistics on it, uh, but it's my understanding that uh, the nonprofit, nonprofit sectors uh, still remain strong. Uh, in being able to cultivate donor base, uh, people still want to give. Um, COVID-19 isn't the only issue that society is facing. Um, there have been many issues uh, that society has continued to have to navigate over the past year and a half uh, with the pandemic being uh, at the forefront of, of much of our attention. Uh, but people are still giving uh, people are still have a heart to help others and people are still wanting to uh, be smart about their gifts and how they engage with different nonprofits for specific purposes. And so this has continued to allow uh, the nonprofit community to have to pay attention to delivery of services. Uh, are the services being delivered in a uh, effective and efficient fashion. Um, how are they commuting, communicating uh, the availability of services? 
how do they do community outreach uh, to to reach their target populations, if you will, uh, who may need the service, uh, particularly when um, the ability to go in community or go door to door um, is something that uh, those who who practice this work of community engagement need to be mindful of, of, of how to engage the public in healthy and safe ways. And so uh, employing technology has put that into play. Um, of course, you know, we all have adopted to uh, some form of video streaming for our meeting purposes, um, a use of technology and being able to uh, directly engage clients or parishioners uh, in the case of congregations. Uh, so I think that a lot of the tools uh, were already available to us. I think the operational shifts uh, revolve around uh, how do we effectively put these tools into practice for ourselves uh, and for the health of the community. And so I think uh, in this conversation of Let's Talk Tech, I think that's extremely important uh, to continue to think through uh, how do we use technology in healthy ways? Uh, how do we maximize the benefit of what we do have in our hands and seek to make that available broadly uh, in ways that improve lives as well as impact lives. Yeah, I think that that's a, a great segue um, when we think about how to improve lives and then how to uh, impact lives. Um, and we are uh, talking with Dr. Rob Hughes um, Director of Operations at Rest Restoration Storehouse. And we're going to take a little transition a little bit um, because we know that uh, the impact on lives uh, is very important. And, um, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about that and just some of uh, the other endeavors that Dr. Hughes has embarked upon. And so, um, you know, let's talk about uh, Youth Universe. Um, let let's tell people a little bit about Youth Universe, the background, um, you know, you as the founder at the helm of Youth Universe, um, you know, what was the vision, um, you know, how did it come about? And for those of you that are listening, um, Dr. Rob Hughes has a great ministerial background. Um, you know, I call him the, the, the doctor, the mentor, um, you know, the minister, um, the one who serves the people and uh, does it with uh, great humility. And so um, Youth Universe, as we talked about it over the years, um, you know, share with our audience, uh, because, you know, most of us, we have work and then we have our own things that we do outside of work that still impact the community. And so um, this just speaks to you as a person and how you make a broader impact within the community with some of the personal projects that you uh, have embarked on. And so I've uh, always enjoyed hearing you talk about Youth Universe, looking at it um, and some of the things that you've been able to do in educating young people um, on some of the things that we see happening today in our society, right, um, but helping them to understand how to navigate those civic, you know, areas of, uh, of life. And so just talk a little bit about that. Uh, yes. So uh, early in my career, ministry career, I had the privilege of serving as a youth pastor. And this was in the mid 2000s. And so um, at this stage, uh, the use of technology and handheld devices, mobile phones and the like, 
uh, were very much a growing part of our daily life and not just our daily life as adults, but also daily life uh, as uh, our youth were adopting the technology and people who had access to mobile phones, the age was increasingly being lowered. Uh, but there was not a lot of conversation in what it meant for young people to have access uh, to that, not just the type of technology, but the access to information and um, the vastness of, of what one is able to find um, connecting to the internet. And so as a youth pastor, uh, we began to think through ways in which we could have conversations about the ethical use of technology and being able to leverage technology in ways in which youth could use uh, the platforms that they had access to uh, in positive ways. And so, of course, over these past 15 years, uh, we've been able to see um, how youth has led the way uh, in the adoption of technology and has, you know, found uh, more than a variety of ways to, to put it into practice, not just for consumer use, but uh, many young people are leveraging the use of technology uh, for business and using them as money generating platforms. And there's clearly just a whole um, ecosystem and um, economic platform and development uh, that is available to young people today uh, that was not available uh, at the onset of Youth Universe. So uh, the original plan for Youth Universe was simply to begin to uh, have healthy conversations with young people uh, about the use of technology and being able to introduce them to uh, some basic uh, video production, media production skill sets, hopefully spark an interest in what could be a career path for them and being able to connect them to uh, other educational institutions that would help further develop uh, those early gifts. And so uh, that was the original mission of Youth Universe. Uh, once we started the conversations uh, that allowed for us to uh, build relationships with other youth-oriented agencies, ministries uh, in the Atlanta area, and for me, um, it provided an opportunity to do some collaborative work, which is consistent with what I'm continuing to do uh, in my current work. It allowed for me to interview other youth ministers, other youth practitioners, um, develop youth technical crews uh, that were instrumental in putting together uh, video programs and segments. Uh, that helped capture the stories of how youth organizations uh, were working to impact the lives of young people. And at that time, and, and even today, uh, that's a much needed conversation. Uh, how do we work uh, in the space of, of youth development, uh, education, along with moral and spiritual practices um, and helping young people uh, develop socially uh, and, and morally as individuals and uh, being able to talk through morals and values and ethics uh, in our culture uh, in ways that 
develop uh, in, impactful young people so they can take those early lessons and find ways to apply them uh, in many areas of their life uh, as they continue to grow in their education development and then as they enter into the workforce and being able to um, apply uh, ethics and specifically Christian ethics uh, into the things that they do. And so um, our goal uh, at Youth Universe uh, was to help expose our young people to the use of technology, understanding technology, uh, the values uh, within technology, and then being able to find healthy ways to put that into practice uh, to help them find and craft and build their voice and know that they had the support of uh, those who were working with them uh, to help them do just that. And so we've seen some great results uh, as uh, we've seen young people continue to find innovative ways to apply technology uh, in the things that they do and how they intend to make an impact in community. No, that's amazing, man. And, you know, I've had the privilege to see uh, some of the content, the storytelling, um, and just some of the, the things that uh, Youth Universe has engaged in. Um, and I, I just think that it's awesome. And so as we talk about that and moving into the entrepreneur side of things, um, you know, Interactive Professional Media Group, IPMG, uh, as we know it, um, as an entrepreneur with a media background, what advice would you give uh, to any person that's listening today um, who may be strategically thinking about his or her entrepreneur endeavors? They may be involved already. They may be thinking about uh, launching. Um, you've been a part of so many great projects uh, and just so many different organizations and being able to leverage your talents across different uh, markets, right, from, you know, from politics um, you know, to, to, you know, to church. Um, and so, and, and everything in the middle. Um, and so being involved with, uh, you know, civil rights and, and just some of the things that you've had an opportunity to see, um, what would you, uh, advise somebody who is, you know, an entrepreneur just getting started, or maybe they've been doing it for a little while. Um, but they're just sort of evaluating, you know, their business practices and themselves, um, and how they want to, you know, work and, and live and, and integrate these different things into their life, but bring a certain level of uh, clear thinking um, along with critical thinking uh, to that process. Yeah, so there's a couple things. Um, first and foremost, I would encourage uh, everyone uh, to develop a relationship uh, with God and as a Christian, uh, through having a relationship with God through Jesus the Christ. And that is essential and has been the foundation of my work and professional and vocational life. Uh, although God has invited me, and I say God has invited me because that's been the thread of connecting the work that I've been able to do in a variety of sectors, all of that work has a basis of me pursuing uh, a relationship with God and God having a relationship with me and taking the time to um, bring spiritual disciplines uh, to the work that we do. So spiritual disciplines, meaning taking time uh, to develop yourself, being able to develop a prayer life, being able to develop some space in your life for some quiet time. Um, there's a lot of conversation now and a lot of technical applications that encourage 
uh, being calm and um, having some tranquil space and uh, dealing with conversations of mindfulness. And so those are words that are used, um, in my opinion, to um, not put a spiritual nature on some of those healthy practices. Uh, but for me, I learned those same practices uh, through my faith, uh, through building upon my relationship with God, uh, through reading the Bible and being intentional about listening uh, to God's direction for my life. And so the reason for me why that is important is because challenge does come uh, in any pursuit and we need an anchor uh, when we face those challenges. And so it was because of the relationship that I had with God, um, me pursuing a sense of calling, um, having a committed relationship to God, to follow God's guidance in the process that allowed for me to be flexible uh, when it appeared that certain opportunities and doors were closing. And then knowing that um, if a door closed, then there's another opportunity uh, that I can bring all of what I had learned in that previous experience to bear on the new opportunity. And so that gives me the flexibility uh, to be able to be adaptable. And in the work that we do as an entrepreneur, that is a key skill that a person must have is adaptability. And so I would start there um, as far as my path, navigating uh, the different workspaces that I've been a part of um, in a practical matter, um, just continuing to listen uh, to what others around you are doing, um, being able to have healthy relationships uh, is extremely important, um, being able to continue to work from a plan. Uh, so often in conversations with others, and even as I've had to navigate different spaces, um, sometimes changing a plan seems like failure. And I think that I had to learn that changing plans is not necessarily failure, uh, but it's again, the ability to be flexible and being able to adapt to changes in our environment, uh, which allow for us to adopt different practices that allow for us to continue to thrive. And so uh, the Bible has many examples of ways in which God protected people um, that God shared relationship with uh, when conditions on the ground changed and that because we live practical lives uh, require us to be, again, adaptable and flexible. And sometimes God is guiding us through seasons uh, that God knows about and God knows for us. But I'm encouraged by Jeremiah 29, 11, which says for God, for I know that God has plans to prosper me and not to harm me, plans for my hope and future. And so when things do happen, which they will in any entrepreneurial endeavor, uh, having a focus 
uh, and for me, my focus and my relationship with God, uh, that I can pause, I can change, I can be flexible, I can adapt, but also remain consistent in what I believe God has called me to do. So even as the sectors change, there has been consistency in the work. And looking back, um, that is what I celebrate, uh, how God has remained uh, consistent and and we say God is faithful um, to us and, and in our faithfulness to God uh, in that relationship, uh, that work can be celebrated. Man, that is an excellent way to uh, just close out this uh, podcast. I mean, you know, what a foundation. Um, and just to speak about having a uh, foundation, and I, I would even use it this way, being rooted, right? Uh, being rooted so that you can grow, being rooted so that you can prosper, being rooted so that you can produce good fruit. Um, and so as you have uh, so eloquently put it, um, you know, starting with the relationship with Christ, uh, you know, somebody listening today um, may not be a believer, may not be a, a Christian. And so uh, as we are, and that's an opportunity for you um, to say, hey, you know what? I listened to this podcast. Uh, I got all the way to the end and I realized that the one thing that I was missing was the relationship that was most needed in my life. And that is the relationship with Jesus the Christ. And so um, thank you, Dr. Hughes, for joining us today, for being a part of, you know, our, our podcast, um, you know, one of many as we continue to grow and do all the things that we're put in this earth to do. But we want to always make sure that we're bringing people great information uh, with, you know, utilizing the technology footprint that we uh, have access to. And while we have access to this technology, we want to ensure that we provide others the opportunity to have access, knowledge and information, not just about the technology, but how it's being used. Um, and when we look at how technology is being used today in so many different areas, um, we can navigate the areas better based on what we know and how we see other people, uh, you know, using technology in various different areas and hopefully come up with even more innovative ideas and how we can do things together and even on a collaborative side. So today we are uh, talking tech uh, with Dr. Rob Hughes and myself, your host, Michael P. Upshaw Sr. Uh, today's podcast has been brought to you by Above the Cloud Media and Marketing, LLC. And uh, we are excited about the next opportunity to engage you. So share it with a friend, invite somebody else. Let us know about topics that you may want to hear uh, that we may cover. And we have more great podcasts coming your way uh, this year. 